0: Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Q1370 WQLL. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic Radio partners for sharing with us some of the contents in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. This is Chris Gundy of the Catholic Review, and today on Catholic Baltimore, we're
1: chatting with Christopher West, founder and president of the CORE Project. He leads an international outreach devoted to spreading the teaching about Pope St. John Paul II's teachings on theology of the body. Christopher and his wife have five children.
2: Welcome to the show. Thank you, Chris. Great to be with you and your audience.
1: First off, can you give our listeners a recap of what the theology of their body is? I, I know it took Pope John Paul several months to, to lay out this whole uh, range of teaching, but can you recap it in a, in a couple of minutes?
2: Sure. Actually, it was several years. He delivered a series of 129 talks between 1979 and in 1984, and he called it the theology of the body. Now, what does that mean? Theology is the study of God, but why a theology of the body? Well, if we believe in Christmas, if we believe that the Word of God was made flesh, that God himself took on a body, then John Paul II says it shouldn't surprise us at all that we speak of the body as a study of God. In a nutshell, When we talk about theology of the body, we're saying this. Our bodies tell a divine story. Now, Chris, we live in a world where the culture is telling us our bodies have no meaning. right? Christianity has the exact opposite message. Not only does the body have a meaning, but it proclaims the greatest story known in all of human history. It proclaims the love of God. How so? Well, think about it. A man's body does not make sense by itself. A woman's body does not make sense by itself. But seen in light of each other, unless we're blind, and this is the problem in our world, we become blind to this basic, fundamental, natural truth that man is meant to be a gift for woman, woman is meant to be a gift for man, and in that gift, that union is so potent, so powerful, it can become another human life. In the union of the two, In the normal course of events, it leads to a third. And so John Paul II says we catch a glimpse here of the mystery of the Trinity, that God himself is an eternal exchange of life-giving love, and we are made in the image and likeness of God as male and female. So, in a nutshell, to say theology of the body, what we're saying is we're made in the image of God specifically as male and female, and in the call of the two to that intimate life-giving embrace. That is Theology of the Body. Our bodies tell a divine story.
1: So Clearly, you're passionate about this. I'm so passionate that you founded <laughs> the Core Project, and, and this is what you do with your life. What is the Core Project? This is today? what
2: I do with my life. I discovered Theology of the Body in 1993, Chris, and I knew then I was holding in my hands the cure for the world's cancer. And and when you discover the cure for cancer, you can't keep it to yourself. You've got to start telling people about it. And I, I knew then I was 24 years old. I knew I'd spend the rest of my life studying this teaching and sharing it with the world. And now uh, here I am 23-whatever years later, and uh, doors have opened up for me to do this work. It's taken different forms over the years. Uh, I co-founded the Theology of the Body Institute in 2004, And that's an institute that teaches courses on the theology of the body. In fact, this is an audience in Baltimore. We're not far from you guys. We teach these courses right over the Pennsylvania border in the southern end of Lancaster County at a beautiful retreat center. People come from around the world to take these classes. But in 2010, I founded another organization called The Core Project with some colleagues. And this has a specifically... Uh, evangelistic outreach. We go out into the pa- parishes, both Catholic churches, Protestant churches, universities, wherever we are invited, and whatever our calendar will allow. We're traveling the world. Uh, gosh, three weekends out of the out of the month, I'm um, I'm going somewhere to deliver this message, and it is changing lives, opening eyes, and saving relationships around the world. It is the best kept secret of the Catholic Church. And one of the reasons it's hard to get this message out there is because there is an enemy who doesn't want us to know who we really are, right? There's a war going on in the world today, a spiritual battle. But the spiritual battle is fought over the truth of the body. We, as I said earlier, we're in a world today that says the body is meaningless. No, Christianity says the body reveals the ultimate meaning of everything because God, who is ultimate meaning, took on a body precisely to reveal the ultimate meaning of everything through the human body. At the source and summit of everything we believe, Chris, is the body of Christ given up for us. So we got to come back to the meaning of the body. That's the core project of the new evangelization. That's At the very heart of the new evangelization is to reconnect with the meaning of our bodies, the meaning of Christ's body, the meaning of what it means to be human. That's why we call it the CORE Project. CORE, C-O-R, is Latin for heart. And we want to go to the heart of the modern crisis, and we want to inject hope and life and healing and redemption. Well, in light of
1: that, a lot of people have said that uh, the 19, secular revolution in the 1970s and and the era after, the, the decades after that, really didn't do society any favors. Um, I, I, how does theology of the body really respond to some of the things that have happened to relationships between men and women in those decades, and especially today when all you see in TV and entertainment is not all, but a lot of what you see in TV and entertainment is denigrating the the uniqueness of the body.
2: Yeah, well, you're talking about the sexual revolution here, so we could put it this way. Uh, John Paul II is responding to the sexual revolution as follows. He's saying, you want to talk about sex? Um, okay, let's talk about sex, but let's not stop at the surface. If we stop merely at the surface, we end with something terribly distorted and pornographic. John Paul II says, all right, you want to talk about sex, that's fine, but let's have the courage to ponder the very depths of what sacred scripture calls the great mystery of our creation as male and female, and the call of the two to become one flesh. That's the way Scripture talks about it. And here John Paul is quoting from Ephesians chapter 5, where St. Paul himself is quoting from the book of Genesis. Paul says this, and before I tell you what he says, let me preface it by saying St. John Paul II says that these two verses of Scripture that I'm about to share with you are the summary of the entire Bible. Contained in these two verses of Scripture is the compendium, he says, the summa of everything God wants to tell us about who he is, who we are, why we're here, how we are to live, and what our ultimate destiny is. <laughs> now, in, and, just two, to, and just
1: two scripture in
2: verses. Just two verses. Two verses. So that's a lot to peg on these two verses. But, but hear me out. I'll share the verses, and then I'll unpack it a bit. Okay. Here we go. Here's a quote from Genesis. For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. That's Ephesians 5, verse 31. And then St. Paul says this. This is a great mystery, and it refers to Christ and the church. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Time out. Time out. How does human sexuality, how does our creation as male and female, how does the two becoming one flesh, how does that refer to Christ in the church? I don't know about you, but somehow this got left out of my Catholic schooling. right? In, in, my, in my Catholic exactly. upbringing in the 70s and, 70s and 80s, you know, sex was bad and dirty and tainted, and, and you got to be spiritual and holy. Well, well, right there we have a problem because we've split the body and the soul. If we think being holy means being spiritual and rejecting the body, we have a terribly ruptured view of our humanity. What we discover in Ephesians chapter 5 is this profound mystery of the relationship between spirit and flesh, between spirituality and sexuality. Our bodies as male and female are so holy, so sacred, and the union of man and woman, so holy, so sacred, that it's the image Scripture uses to help us understand the way God loves us. In fact, it's the main image Scripture uses. From beginning to end, the Bible tells a story about marriage. It begins with the creation of man and woman and the call of the two to become one flesh. Scripture begins with a wedding. Throughout the Old Testament, God speaks of his love for his people as the love of a husband for his bride. In the New Testament, the love of the eternal bridegroom is literally embodied when the word is made flesh. And skip to the end of the story, the book of Revelation describes heaven as a marriage. Who gets married in heaven? Christ and the church. In other words, the union of man and woman, right from the beginning, the wedding of Adam and Eve, the the first marriage in every marriage throughout human history, has been designed by God to prepare us and point us to the ultimate wedding, which is the wedding that awaits us on the other side of this life what Scripture calls the wedding of the Lamb, the marriage of Christ and the Church, because it's Christ who left his Father in heaven. It's Christ who left the home of his mother on earth to give up his body for his bride so that we, the Church, the Bride of Christ, might become one flesh with him. Chris, where do we, the Bride of Christ, become one flesh with Christ the Bridegroom?
1: And it happens at the Eucharist.
2: It happens at the Eucharist, exactly. The source and summit of our faith, the Eucharist, is the consummation of a marriage. This is where Christ, the bridegroom, gives up his body for his bride, and this is where we become one with him, and there's more. Not only does God love us, not only does he want to marry us, first comes love, then comes marriage, then comes the baby in the baby carriage. (laughs) What we didn't realize in second grade When we learn that pithy little rhyme is we are actually reciting some profound theology. It's called theology of the body. God loves us, wants to marry us, and he wants to fill his bride with eternal life. This is not just a metaphor, Chris. There was a woman who walked this planet, who gave her yes to God's marriage proposal with such fidelity... Such totality that she literally conceived eternal life in her womb.
1: Eternal life.
2: The, the Blessed eternal. Mother. Eternal life. Eternal life in her womb. This Amazing. is why the Blessed Mother is, is the model of all Christians. Because to be Christian means to open to eternal love and eternal life. To receive it. To conceive it. And to bear it forth. This is why the Mary is the model of, of, of all Christians, what it means to be human. In fact, John Paul II says, woman is the model of the whole human race because she reveals to all of us what it means to be human, to open, to receive divine love, conceive it, and bear it forth. You see, Chris, our bodies tell an amazingly beautiful story. And this is the story that is under such violent attack in the world today, precisely so we don't know any longer who we are, who God is, or what we're destined for in eternity.
1: And that's a good place for us to take a break. After the break, we're going to talk some more with Christopher West about the theology of the body. And specifically, with the Oscars coming up, we're going to talk about theology of the body at the movies. You're listening to Catholic Baltimore.
3: Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world from the Catholic Review. With trumpets, music, and prayers to Mary, Mount St. Mary's University and Seminary in Emmitsburg welcomed its 26th president October 23rd. Timothy E. Trainer placed his hand on the Book of Gospels to make his professional faith and oath of fidelity during a morning mass at the Chapel of the Immaculate Conception. Be- before coming to the Mount as interim president in August 2016, Trainer served 33 years in the U.S. Army. Most recently, he was dean and chief academic officer at the U.S. Military Academy at West Point, New York. In his address, Trainer said he believes the most significant history regarding the mount is yet to be written. It will be created by our current and future students and seminarians, he said. He also said the strategic plan for 2018 to 2023 identified three top priorities student success, a faith and values-based campus, and financial sustainability. Father Leandro Fazzolini, associate pastor to the Hispanic community at St. John the Evangelist in Colombia, officially witnessed at a wedding of 10 couples at the parish October 14th. The couples originally came from El Salvador, Mexico, and Colombia. The wedding was webcast for their families across Latin America. Father Fasolini said that for different reasons and obstacles, The couples, many of whom have been together 10 years, and in some cases as long as 20, had never received the blessing of the church. For many, the cost of a conventional wedding was too high. Others had put it off, hoping one day to receive the sacrament in their country of origin. The idea of having the community wedding is to break these walls and make it easier for them to receive the grace of the sacrament, Father Fasolini said. He last celebrated a community wedding in 2014 when he also married 10 couples and he plans to do another next year. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, this is Christopher Gunty.
4: Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, the Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have the Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at CatholicReview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice a week updates. Just text Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android and follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today in print and online at CatholicReview.org. That's CatholicReview.org.
5: The season of sacraments is nearly here. First Holy Communion, Confirmation, and Weddings. Visit the Baltimore Basilica, America's First Cathedral, and stop by the gift shop for all of your gift needs. From beautiful frames to crucifixes and crosses, statues and one-of-a-kind rosaries, The Basilica Gift Shop has it all. Friendly, knowledgeable staff members can help you select the perfect gift. Also available, Baltimore's very own Mouth Party Caramels, locally designed hand-painted signs and jewelry, plus gifts for Easter as well as an extensive line of St. Patrick's Day items sure to bring out the Irish in everyone. Visit the Basilica Gift Shop at 409 Cathedral Street in Baltimore or call 410-727-3565 for hours and directions. Free street parking available directly in front of the Basilica between 9.30 and 4 p.m.
0: You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Q1370 WQLL. We're back and talking with Christopher West, husband and
1: father and international expert on Pope John Paul's series of teachings called The Theology of the Body. With the Oscars coming up, we want to talk about Christopher's latest e-book project, Theology of the Body at the Movies. Uh, what's that book about, and and how do you – us people are not perfect. We're not perfect beings. So how do you make a movie about imperfect beings and make it wholesome
2: and uplifting? Yeah, Well. well, let me say what this project is. Theology of the Body at the Movies is a collection of all that I've written – about movies over the last twenty years, I have always been uh, a bit of a movie enthusiast ever since I was a little kid and saw Star Wars in the movie theaters in 1977. A whole new world lit up for me, and I've been drawing from movies throughout my teaching and speaking career as a as a Catholic author and writer. Because stories, these you know, obviously we have to be discerning, right? When we're talking about Hollywood movies, we have to be discerning. There's wheat and weeds grow up together here. But well, we don't have to throw out we don't have to throw out all these movies just because there's some weeds in them. Guess what? They're weeds in our hearts, and weeds are part of the human story. And if the weeds are are dealt with in such a way that they actually can uh, show us a way out, show us hope. Uh, you and I, for example, Chris, we we both know we are huge fans of the movie Shawshank Redemption, right? Right. So we this is not a prison movie, right? It's it's about a guy who goes to prison because he's falsely accused and falsely charged with murder. But it's not a prison movie. You know, it's not it's, – it's an allegory. The prison is a symbol of the world. And, and the different characters in this movie are, are symbols of different ways of dealing with the injustices of life, the, the prison bars that we all find ourselves in. And, and what do we do in a, in a so-called hopeless situation? Right? Andy Dufresne, for example, represents that hope. The tagline of the movie is, fear can hold you prisoner, hope can set you free. So if we watch Shawshank Redemption, for example, merely as entertainment, you know, a a prison movie in which there is horrific injustice, uh, not so subtle references to gang rape, and all kinds of other horrific things, this is not going to be good entertainment. But if you watch it as allegory, if you look for the deeper themes, if you read the symbols, if you understand what the storyteller is really trying to tell you, this is a movie about redemption, right? Shawshank Redemption. So when I go to a movie, I always go to a movie with those glasses on. I'm looking for the underlying themes. I'm looking for the human story that's being told. And obviously some of these movies are going to be better than others. But this Theology of the Body at the Movies ebook is a collection of all I've written about movies in my books, in my syndicated column, in my blogs over the years. I've had lots of people saying to me, can you collect all that in one place? So it's a free resource. If you want to learn how to to read movies, watch movies, benefit from the stories in movies, I'd urge you to get this free resource called Theology of the Body at the movies, where we draw out this love story that we're all part of. And every authentic story is going to tell the human story. That's why we're attracted to movies like Braveheart, or or Shawshank Redemption, or Les Mis, or even some of the other movies I look at. in this is uh, uh, Spider Man movies, um,
1: Toy uh, Story movies. Yeah, Truman,
2: Truman Show. I,
1: Truman
2: I, show I love your Truman favorite. Show.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, what what are your Legend favorites? One of my favorites. What are your favorites so are coming ahead. out this Oscar season? We've got you know another. Uh, Almost a dozen movies nominated for Best Picture, but a lot of other awards are out there. What have have you seen that's uplifting and wholesome
2: and worthwhile in this batch of movies, and what do you hope would be out there? I've I've only seen two that are on the Best Picture list. That would be La La Land and uh, Hacksaw Ridge. Uh, Both, I thought, were, were great movies, very different kind of stories being told. Hacksaw Ridge takes you into the horrors of war, but not in a gratuitous way, but in a way to reveal those horrors and to reveal what the human heart is capable of in the midst of great evil. It is a tremendous tale of, of heroism, of courage, uh, of salvation in very dark, dark places. Um, I would be rooting for Hacksaw Ridge to get the Oscar for sure. Uh, it's terribly violent. violent. I think you
1: need to you need to warn it people is, about that. It's terribly violent. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. It, it, it's terribly violent. You really see what goes on in war. It is not something you're going to take the whole family out for a night of entertainment, but it does tell an honest, harrowing story uh, of real courage. It's it's a profound movie. It really is. Um, La La Land I've seen, and I think it's it raises some good questions about human relationships, about human love. Uh, I like the genre of the musical. I didn't always like it, but uh, I had come as an adult to like the genre of the musical because Music gives you a way of entering into the interior of the the person's heart, the person's story. And I I love how La La Land draws out this ache we all have. We're all looking for some kind of happiness and fulfillment. How How do we respond to that hunger in our hearts? La La Land, I think, asks some good questions. Not a perfect movie. No movie is, but it asks some good questions. So I'm rooting either for Hacksaw Ridge or La La Land.
1: Great, great. Good to hear those those things. So when you watch the Oscars on February 26th, check it out and see if, if Christopher West nailed it. We've been talking with Christopher West, who has just finished a couple of workshops in the Baltimore area. If you want to hear him in person, he'll be in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, March 16th, talking about reimagining the family. You can also, of course, visit the website at coreproject.com. That's C-O-R-project.com. Uh, At the website, you can find a list of upcoming events, download a free copy of Theology of the Body at the Movies, and learn a whole lot more about Theology of the Body. This is Christopher Gunty of The Catholic Review, and you've been listening to Catholic Baltimore.
4: Child abuse is not only a crime, it's also a sin. The Archdiocese of Baltimore has long made the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through rigorous training and background checks and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org.